Welcome to Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, where we promote integration and collaboration. Whether you are just starting your practice or you are ready to push the profession forward, we aim to provide you all the tools necessary to form relationships and educate your community. After all, spines of all sizes deserve to be adjusted. Welcome to our podcast and thanks for listening. Hey guys, this is Dr. Katie with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. In this podcast, I want to talk a little bit more about seeing your own value. Um, I had a coaching session with one of my Business Basics members, and they felt that they were a bother um, when they went in to market themselves to veterinary clinics. And I wanted you to flip the script, and I'm going to put this in the lens of what we're seeing today, but animal chiropractors, you are a huge asset to veterinarians. They need you in your back in their back pocket. Um, so we're going to talk about how you can reframe your mindset when it comes to stepping in the vet office and marketing what you have to offer. Hey guys, you know what I hate? Patient notes. They are the worst. The last thing I want to do when I come home from a long day at work is sit down and write about what I did. Um, I see a lot of patients and it is near impossible for me to come home after a long day, interpret my chicken scratch on a napkin that I wrote about uh, the patient that I saw and write them into my computer and send those records off. It also adds a lot of admin time when I'm considering that I could be out seeing patients with the time that I'm sitting at home and doing notes. It just fries my brain. So thankfully, I found Carmi Swift of iPoint Touch. She talked me off a ledge. She found a program that worked for me that streamlined how I sent my records off. It streamlined my billing, my calendar, and literally things I didn't even know I needed and made me more efficient so I could spend more time with patients instead of sitting at home doing records. So if you want a little bit more information, this is the top of the line, best animal chiropractic EHR that is available. I recommend you talk to Carmi Swift of iPoint Touch so she can get you a little bit more information and get your practice more successful. Again, look them up at iPointTouch.com. Hey guys, so do you feel like a bother when you go into a vet clinic and try and advertise your animal chiropractic services? Um, I have. I felt like a used car salesman when I had to start uh, growing my business from the ground up. And I always felt like vets were too busy to talk to me. They didn't care. Um, They would throw my business cards away and it was just not conducive to uh, growing my business. So that's part of the reason I started my business basics program is because um, it's really hard to do what we call a cold visit to these vet clinics because you feel like you're basically that annoying salesperson, right? And that's not who you should be. You should be a doctor, right? And having an animal chiropractic practice, you may feel like you have to turn into a salesman in order to have a successful business. But um, you're actually a huge asset for a veterinarian to get to know. But we have to reframe what we think about ourselves and our services and how we are marketing them to our veterinarians to make it an asset. So this is a roundabout way of saying uh, vets need you. okay? And they may just not know it. Because what I'm noticing right now um, I've been practicing animal chiropractic for the past five years, um, full-time for the past three, and that means I've been practicing during this uh, weird pandemic world that we're living in. And all politics and personal um, opinions aside, we're noticing that the veterinary field has taken a turn for the worst. And I don't say that lightly. Um, Yes, it is my opinion, um, but I'm reading lots of articles from newspapers right now Um, about where the vet field is and what we're noticing is there's too many patients 
these vets cannot keep up with the amount of patients that they need to serve. We're seeing a lot of people that are adopting what we call pandemic puppies, right? Um, they're getting dogs, whereas they maybe haven't had a dog before. Um, they're working from home, or uh, maybe they're sitting at home with their older dog, and now everything's a crisis or an emergency. Um, or we have these pet parents who are trying to get in shape and doing the weekend warrior kind of stuff uh, with an underconditioned dog. Uh, we're seeing people uh, suddenly go back to activity now um, with these underconditioned dogs, um, and you know maybe running agility for the first time in two years. Um, and then we're seeing injuries. We're seeing all sorts of things go wrong right now and all these pets need care. Um, I'm seeing a lot of helicopter parents as I call them. It's their first time dog and they don't know what to do with joint pain and they just can't get a vet visit right for the next two or three weeks because the vet is so busy. We're also seeing that the vet offices they don't have enough staff. So um, imagine you're in close quarters with six or seven other people and one of you gets sick. Well, what happens? Well, it circulates through the office. And if the CDC mandates that those people stay home for 10 to 14 days, well, then what's going to happen? Well, you're not going to have enough staff members to go around. Um, we are seeing a lot of vet clinics as well. They have predominantly female vet techs. I don't know why. Um, that's just the trend I've noticed. And um, a lot of these people are caregivers. So we're noticing that, um, okay, well, if a virus is spreading around in our workplace, one, it's probably also spreading around um, in the daycare. So then we're seeing these primary caregivers who aren't able to get their kids into daycare and then they have to take off work, right? So it's an endless cycle. Our people are out sick. Um, they need childcare. Maybe they can't afford childcare because it's so expensive. And then there's also a lot of stress that comes with being um, a vet tech. I've seen so many owners, for example, uh, helicopter pet parents, again, um, who are just dang rude, right? We're noticing that these pet parents, since everything's an emergency, they can't get in, they're stressed out, maybe they don't have finances, they don't know what to do with their pet, uh, their, their pet's injured and they can't get an appointment, and they are just offloading all of that stress and all those concerns onto the vet techs or the vets. And um, it's not their fault, it's just where we are now, and these vet techs are burning out quickly. And so, you know, we're seeing like, upwards of a 16% turnover, I think I read in one article, of these vet techs who are just like, I don't want to be here in this field anymore. I love animals, but I don't love their owners. Um, and then we're finding that these clinics are getting even shorter staffed, and then it's perpetuating the problem, right? Um, I'm going to touch on this a little bit, although I already said, but angry owners, right? There's stress. There uh, is inflation. Financially, people can't afford these emergencies, right? Um, we're also seeing these helicopter pet parents who don't know what to do. And they're also seeing because of the overburden of so many appointments and how needed these appointments are, um, we're also seeing the communication, the standard of care go down. So maybe a vet is overworked and stressed and just trying to get through another day. They don't put their best foot forward into an appointment and then that animal owner doesn't really understand what's going on, gets sent home with pain medications and doesn't necessarily have any preventative strategies they can implement. So bada bing, bada boom, the problem happens again. They're frustrated, the vet didn't fix it. Um, and then we're getting more stress, more rage, more angry comments, right? I've also noticed that a lot of pet parents, because they're struggling to get appointments, we're seeing that um, they're reaching out to seven, 10, you know, 20 clinics sometimes trying to get an appointment. 
And then owners will schedule and then forget who they scheduled with and then not show up for an appointment because they go based upon who calls them back first. So then we're seeing a lot of people no-showing appointments um, and taking up valuable space for these other pets uh, that may have been able to get in, but it's just because the owner's so desperate that they're calling anyone and everyone and reserving an appointment and then not showing up with all those people they may have reserved an appointment for. That's especially happening on the clinics I work out of to where they've started taking a deposit uh, for their new patient appointments. So we're seeing so much stuff happening. And that doesn't even begin to broach on the topic of burnout and mental health for our veterinary colleagues. I think female veterinarians, based upon the articles I have been reading, are statistically like 3.5 times more likely to commit suicide because of the extreme amount of overwhelm um, and financial problems that owners have. Uh, I was reading um, an article that's saying 62% of vets say that they cannot treat how they need to treat an animal because of financial concerns from the owner. And um, that's heartbreaking because if you have a pet come in, say they have a urinary tract infection and the owner can't afford the antibiotics that you're prescribing and you know that an antibiotic's only going to take two weeks and it's not super expensive. However, if the owner's like, well, what else can I do? And you can't offer anything else, then you're frustrated, the owner's frustrated, and then the pet's not getting the proper management, right? So imagine that happens, but, you know, your urinary tract infection pet's not necessarily going to die from that. But what if you have someone come in and their pet needs a surgery, like a major orthopedic surgery, and the owner can't afford it? Um, so say you have, like, an amputation that comes in, and you can't amputate because the owner can't afford it. Then the GoFundMe, uh, they can't raise enough money to scratch pay, they, their credit, they don't qualify. Then what you're left with is a dog who's suffering and an owner who can't afford, um, you know, help with the suffering and they don't want to end the suffering um so we see a lot of financial euthanasias unfortunately because the owner says i just can't pay for it um and they choose to put down their dog um and i can't even imagine having something that um you know i could have helped um and not being able to serve that pet because the owner couldn't afford it like in chiropractic we don't even realize um how much of a concern that is veterinary medicine is um, you know, relatively cost-effective compared to human medicine. Like, I think the average spinal surgery is upwards of 80 grand right now. Um, a dog spinal surgery is eight grand. So when you consider the cost, it's really nominal compared to human medicine, but pet insurance um, is still slowly, slowly growing. Um, and I'm kind of worried about that just from a logistics standpoint. But when we consider cost for these owners and these vets who can't afford to... Um, or the owners won't allow them to work on their pets and how they need to, well then that creates a huge cycle of feeling like you're not good enough, you're not actually helping, you're not making a real benefit in uh, the profession that you chose. And then we also add on a layer of student loan debt, which I don't know about you all, I personally do not feel like I was adequately educated about the true impact of the student loans that um, I have taken, and I can't even imagine for veterinarians, but um, it's upward of 200 grand, which, you know, if you um, work backwards from that, you want to enter on a standard base for payment, well, that's over $3,000 a month. And many people with inflation right now and just trying to get by another day, um, they can't afford to do that. So um, anyway, when we factor in that these vets are having a hard time with these owners, not allowing them to treat in the way they need to treat, um, they have basically a, a huge mess of patients they're walking into with not enough staff, 
Um, and then they're overwhelmed and the owners are mad. Well, then we're seeing a whole bunch of vets leave the profession. So, um, we're also noticing as a sidebar, um, that because of work-life balance, uh, a lot of equine vets especially are, um, leaving the profession and are not being replaced. So I think we're in a, a deficit of equine veterinarians to where there's a huge shortage, um, because, um, equine vets, they just, there's not enough of them to go around. So, um, for that reason, vet schools around the globe, I feel like, have been posting, hey, we need to get more um, equine vets out into um, the marketplace because there's not going to be enough of them because they quickly burn out because they don't have work-life balance. They have to travel to their patient. Um, they don't get paid as much as they do, say, in a franchise small animal clinic, um, and they don't have the typical hours, if you would. You know, horses always call like at 3 a.m., of course. So um, it's one of those things to where small animal medicine may be more appealing to these large animal vets. So when you add all these things together, there's a lot of patients, not enough staff to go around, there's angry owners, and there's a lot of burnout. Think about the load on a vet's plate. Think about the cases they're seeing. The vets that I go into their office, and I am trying to market my animal chiropractic services, on average, most vets see about 30% musculoskeletal cases. 30% is a huge amount. There's a lot of these chronic pets um, who, you know, I personally believe that uh, medication is not a good long-term solution to what they have going on. I believe movement-based care is most helpful for these pets with joint problems or orthopedic problems. And um, if you come in to a vet office and you are going to change how you think of you marketing to them as I'm helping this vet by taking 30% of their caseload away, what kind of shift would that create for you? Hopefully it creates a shift to where you think, holy cow, they need my help. 30% is a lot to take off their plate. I can really help them. So um, reframe your mindset and I'm not going into an office selling this vet something they don't need. I'm going in and offering a service that can drastically help their, their caseload. Now, it may be something where you're like, I don't know what to say, and um, I do have some suggestions and frameworks in my Business Basics course if you'd like to look into that, but um, evidence-based chiropractor Jeffrey Langmade was one of the first people that really created a mindset shift for me when um, he had a very simple Socratic method, and it can be as simple as this. You ask the vet, hey, uh, what kind of musculoskeletal cases are you seeing in your practice? And um, maybe the vet says intervertebral disc disease, hip dysplasia, and luxating patella, right? And you're like, well, great. Um, so what do you do for these cases, right? And you ask them, and they say, oh, well, usually rest and NSAIDs, right? Um, then you can say, oh, well, that's awesome. But uh, what about those patients who don't respond well or the owners don't like that type of treatment? And then a light bulb will go off, right? And then you have these um, vets who will look at you and say, well, what do you mean? And then you say, well, what about these older dogs who have uh, liver and kidney issues and the NSAIDs aren't really a good fit for them? Because as you know, you have to do blood work every six to eight months just to make sure it's not uh, toxic to those organs. Or what about if you have a pet parent who's crunchy, I say crunchy lovingly, but you have these pet parents who come in and they don't want pain medications. What alternatives or preventatives are you offering them other than avoiding the provocative behavior? Are you teaching them any strengthening exercises they can do? Um, or are you just 
just loading them full of joint supplements and hoping and praying that they won't get into um, a situation where um, they cause uh, some of these flare-ups. What are you offering to these owners who want more from a preventative aspect? They may look at you and they may be like, well, that's a lot to think about. You know, previously um, in vet school, they've only been teaching a reactive approach where they say, you know what? This is a fire. This is how to put out the fire. And then you wait for the next one. Versus chiropractically, we know there's a lot you can do actually to uh, prevent such things from occurring. I call it clearing the brush from the, the forest to prevent the wildfire from occurring, right? There's so much um, active and maintenance things you can do to help these pets and these pet parents and also to help these pets that don't really fit within a good mold um, of the veterinary um, complex, I guess, of what is typical medical management, right? So say, hey, do you have a patient that's not responding well to NSAIDs and the owner doesn't want pain pills? Well, I'd be happy to take them off your plate. Or do you have these pet parents who want to know what other preventative things they can do to help their pet? Um, maybe their pet's very active and they just want to uh, get on a maintenance regimen and a proactive routine to prevent joint pain in the future. Like say, for example, German Shepherds are predisposed to certain issues. Do you have any pet parents like that who are wondering what they can do to prevent their dog from having joint pain in the future? I would love to take those patients off your plate. And when you offer it from a standpoint of, I want to help you instead of, I want to take something from you, it creates a symbiotic mutualistic relationship where a vet's excited to have you in their practice because you're something in their back pocket they can whip out if their tools and their toolbox don't adequately assist the patient in front of them. So it's all about reframing, I can help a vet by taking 30% off their plate. I can help with what's going on right now in vet medicine. And I can offer these pets who are chronic musculoskeletal uh, complaints, I can help them. And I can also help proactively with these pet parents who are looking for a more alternative, complementary, and or holistic approach to their pet's healthcare. You have a lot to offer as an animal chiropractor and it's really a shame that you feel like a burden as a used car salesman trying to grow your practice when you're going from these vet office to vet office. Um, and I don't want you to feel like you're ever doing a cold visit. I want you to feel like you're going to a friend and offering them a hand and trying to give them a leg up because right now veterinarians are suffering and they need to know who you are and what you do and how you can help them with their patients because they are struggling and they need help in whatever capacity you can offer. So instead of thinking you're a burden, reach out a hand and offer these vets um, your services because they can help them tremendously and um, the pets will thank you for it. The owners will say, I wish I met you three years ago. And I know that as a whole, it potentially could uh, reframe where veterinary medicine is going. I personally feel like, now this is my opinion, I personally feel like if we start to diversify veterinarians, um, you know, like we have specialists as we do in human medicine, such as podiatry and ophthalmology and orthopedists, and we start to really further niche down into the veterinary profession and we introduce chiropractic as a specialty, I really feel like our uh, pets and our veterinarians would be better for it. So um, don't be afraid to reach out to your veterinary colleagues and offer your services and um, offer them a lend uh, or offer them a helping hand because I guarantee that they're just trying to tread water right now and you taking some of the load off their plate would be a huge asset. 
You guys, if you like this podcast, please scroll down, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing. And if you want more tips just like this, you can look us up on makingstridesforamilchiropractic.com. We also have a Facebook group full of other like-minded uh, professionals. It's at uh, it's Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic on Facebook, and we'd love to have you on that group. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope these free tools have served you and your business so you can serve more patients. It's really tough being an animal chiropractor. I know it. You're trying to meet all these people, trying to get their vet to sign these referral forms, and you don't know if you can make your business work financially. It's hard. I get it. Now, when I first got started, all of my chiropractic mentors told me you have to do all these marketing events, meet all these people you don't know, shake a lot of hands, and get them into your practice. I was always wondering where my next new patient was going to come from. And if I'm being honest with you all, it wasn't sustainable. It always put fear in my head that I would never have a practice of my dreams. So fast forward a couple years, and here I am with a successful and thriving animal care practice. And it took a lot of mindset shifts in order to get here. What I thought and what I was told would work didn't work for me. So I had to develop a program that worked for a strongly introverted, kind of awkward person who just loves animals and wants to serve them well. I had to shift away from always thinking about where I'm going to get my new patients in to instead focusing on the relationships I built in my community and becoming an authority figure on animal chiropractic. So you guys, I have a free course that's going to tell you a little bit more about how I made these mindset shifts and why I started this Making Strides movement. So that way we can push the animal chiropractic profession forward. Please join us on makingstridesforanimalchiropractic.com. Take the free course and see what it has to offer you. Hey guys, Dr. Katie here. Thanks for listening. My intention behind starting this podcast was to build awareness and promote our amazing profession. If you like what we're doing here, please like, share, or leave a review. Help us to spread this movement so we all can begin to take steps towards change. Let's make strides for animal chiropractic.